0: Welcome to the CADCAST, a podcast by the Center for Asian Art and Design, or CAD, which is an interdisciplinary research center of the School of Art, Design, and Media at Nanyang Technological University in Singapore. The CADCAST is a new project that presents a series of conversations on Asian art, design, and media practices around the world. We've launched the CADCAST as a way to connect with creative practitioners from across Asia during the COVID-19 pandemic when international travel is not possible. I'm Karin Un, Principal Research Fellow at CAD. And today I am very pleased to welcome Jazz Charanjeeva, a street artist and co-founder of Culture Shop who is joining us from Mumbai, India. Welcome Jazz. Would you like to introduce yourself and culture shop for those of our listeners who are not familiar with your practice already
1: i'm a street artist and based here in mumbai and i've been here for um, let's see mumbai 10 years and we moved to um, india three years before that so i've been here for a total of 13 years didn't expect that to happen my husband I and another friend of ours, we co-founded a company called Culture Shop, which is a platform for um, some of the best Indian graphic artists from around the world. We promote them and we've got, we had two uh, boutiques, which were doing really well, especially with travelers who were coming from all parts of the world to India, to Mumbai specifically. But we unfortunately had to shut them down for now because of the pandemic. So we'll reopen those once international travel is back in full swing. But uh, we have over 100 artists that we are representing on our platform, and that's established artists and also emerging artists
0: from around the world. Would you mind also telling us a little bit more about where you grew up and uh, your Practice and career before you uh, ended up in India and then founded Culture Shop? Sure. So I was uh, born in the UK
1: and I grew up partly in Toronto as a child. And then uh, we moved to California in the Bay Area. That's where I got to discover a lot of graffiti and street art. I got interested by the time I was 12 years old into the skate scene. So I got my first professional skateboard when I was 12 years old. And my uh, skateboard and also the skateboards of my other friends, we all had like really cool art on the deck of the skateboard. And that really, I think, got me more interested in art and design. I had always um, been, you know, an artist at heart as a child. My mother would always encourage me to draw and color and paint so I would do that as a child but I started sort of like leaning towards I was gravitated towards a certain style that is more of this um, underground comic-like illustration and that's what I was seeing a lot of like in Thrasher magazine, skateboard magazine and my style started to sort of get inspired by you know some of these artists I also um, would go into San Francisco maybe once a month. We lived about 45 minutes outside of San Francisco, just next to Napa Valley. So I'd see street art there. I'd see Mexican murals. Just thought everything uh, about art on the street was very fascinating because it was art that could be discovered by anybody. And that's what really inspired me uh, to become a street artist later in life because I felt that it was something that I could, you know, communicate a message to, to anybody. So they didn't have to be somebody who had to walk into a gallery or had to buy a certain, you know, subscription to a certain magazine so they could be exposed to art. Um, this was something for everybody. And it was something that it really, you know, really spoke to me about it being so public, just the messages you could share and possibly those messages could, you know, kind of seep into, uh, you know, into conversations with other people. And I thought that was quite powerful.
0: Very interesting. So so when did you actually start your own practice as a street artist? I would say that... Um... It was in San
1: Francisco. I got that turning point for me. I was living in the Divisadero and there was a record shop over there. Um, It was owned by the guy that owned the Justice League, which was a club and a performance space. And I wanted to do the storefront because I noticed like every few weeks they would have a hand-painted storefront of an album that they were, you know, promoting. So I went into the shop and asked if I could do that, you know, if I could paint their storefront. And the guy said, "Sure." He said, um, "In exchange, I'll give you two tickets, you know, to whatever show you want at the Justice." League. I said, "Fine." So um, it was a Sunday when I was going to paint there. This record shop was located across the street from a church called the Church of John Coltrane. It was such a cool little place. It was a very little, um, it was a small little church. It couldn't take everybody that went there for, you know, the service on Sundays. So there were a lot of people just standing outside, but you could hear jazz music playing. It was basically functioning around just jazz music and celebrating John Coltrane and, other jazz musicians, it was something that you, you were able to hear also, the sermon and the music from outside. While I was painting though, the piece that I was required to paint, which was DJ Logic's album cover that had come out, I felt like all of a sudden, you know, watching those people and then um, comparing what I'm doing, I felt like what I was doing was kind of not as important that I could do more important things like I suddenly had an urge to like, want to write a message, something, pro, you know, something profound on the street, uh, this a window display, instead of, do, you know, painting this cover. And I just want to be able to communicate to the people across the street that were over there outside of the church. And of course I, I didn't do that because I was assigned to do this album cover, but all of a sudden I had this burning desire To just paint messages on the street for people to just discover, I feel like that was all of a sudden my little turning point of like, this is what I want to do, you know, with
0: my art. Interesting. So then um, what happened when you moved to India and how did your practice change uh, as you changed location and context yourself? So I began reading a lot of um, newspaper
1: articles. Now, when I was in the States, I'd be, I was working all the time. and My mind was either wrapped up in working and then after work activities and things like that. right? But um, now I was home all day long. Um, so I wasn't going to an office. I didn't have a job um, that I had to go to or be concerned about. I was very fortunate to have this opportunity where I was able to go ahead and spend you a know, year or two as an artist and just uh, focus on things and at the same time learn um, graphic design at a more deeper level. So I could um, start that as a career as well. But because I had all this time at home, I was reading the paper and the, this was like the Indian paper and I was reading a lot about you know, gender-based violence. And it was really um, getting to me, you know, it made me feel and wonder whether I was living in a bubble earlier, because I wasn't exposed to, you know, uh, these incidences on a regular basis. And now I was exposed to it on a daily basis, because I began looking for those articles. And sure enough, those articles, even if they were on page three, versus like, you know, Uh, the front page those articles those stories were there every single day because there was something happening every single day behind one story would be maybe a hundred other incidences that don't even make it to the newspaper so that really started becoming a huge focus for me on what I wanted to talk about through my art so if I hadn't moved to India I don't know you know how much of that would have been a part of my art about women's empowerment, um, gender equality, uh, gender-based
0: violence. I know that you have been in India for about, was it 13 years? But in Mumbai specifically for these past 10. How has sort of your neighborhood and the environment in Mumbai, maybe sort of the view from Mumbai, Uh, been a part of your sort of development of your practice, um, and also maybe your community, the people with whom you can sort of share your art, but also share your concern for these issues?
1: You know, I've been really fortunate in the fact that um, I've been able to stand out here in Mumbai from the day that I arrived to Mumbai. Now, where I was living earlier, I was quietly doing my art, but not really sharing any of it. And then just before I moved uh, from Hyderabad, that's where I was, I just only started sharing a little bit of my art. Once I got to Mumbai, there was a exhibit and it was a graffiti exhibit, graffiti-inspired exhibit. So it was these well-known established artists who weren't graffiti artists. They were fine artists, you know, with their own different style. The theme was graffiti, so they needed to create graffiti-inspired pieces so it was my mother-in-law who um, read about it and she said oh they actually have a space in the gallery that's open for uh, the public to paint graffiti as well she said you should definitely go check it out and then I went to go check it out and I wanted to see that large canvas area that they had first so I went to go see the exhibit the gallery manager was talking to me and then she said oh you do um you know, street art, you do graffiti. And I said, yes, I do. And I said, I'll bring my own paints. So when I came back the next day with a suitcase of my own paints, um, she said, you know, I spoke to our owner, the gallery owner who's based in New York. And we, um, you know, looked up a little bit about you and she wanted to give you um, your own canvas. So she gave me a eight by six feet canvas Uh, to work on you can do your own piece and then we can keep it here you know during the exhibit and I thought that was great so I took two days to do that and the staff had been taking pictures and then I posted some of the work in progress pictures and then the National newspaper saw that on my Facebook because one of the journalists was um, following me, and she asked if you know she could interview me about this piece, and it was about the Taliban. At That point, it just was one thing after another. Another journalist, um, you know, approached me, and then another one, and then about an opportunity to um, create, and that this was like an accidental, you know, a thing that happened. Uh, It was serendipity, but I um, had met someone when I was looking for an apartment in Mumbai and then um, he started talking to me and then he looked up at my art and he said, you know, my wife has got um, this um, big festival that she's this underground festival that she's going to um, do here in Mumbai you know, I'm going to show her your work because I think she'd really like for you to be involved. So he kept, you know, reaching out to me saying, you know, my wife really wants you to be a part of this. And then, um, and that was called The Art Conspiracy. Um, And the name just sounded so interesting. Um, And she was trying to get all these underground musicians, dancers, poets, you know, visual artists together to just like totally um, infiltrate Mumbai and uh, do performances and all kinds of stuff for the public to discover. So that was actually something that was groundbreaking at the time for Mumbai, because a lot of people hadn't seen this type of thing. And all of a sudden, this thing emerged um, that was for also for free and at different venues that anybody could go and, you know, take part in. I was fortunate to be, I feel like in Mumbai at the right time as well because there wasn't much street art going on at all. And that was one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to do about three years here in Mumbai with my husband because it was just a time when things were starting to emerge. So me meeting the people from the art conspiracy and me being here when um, the art that I really wanted to do was barely even happening just yet was um, I think it was in the right place at the right time and I also had something to actually speak about and bring more awareness about and to show people to show other people that you know you can do this even through street art to get you know messages and to get certain topics you know and bring them more up to the surface in a different way they don't all have to just be uh, stories in the newspaper
0: yeah definitely I mean I think this is a really inspiring story but also kind of important for artists and other creative practitioners to keep in mind that you know I think part of you know what happened is that you know you being there also helped make it the right place at the right time. And, you know, what you were able to contribute uh, to the scene and to sort of fill a space that, that needed to be filled um, is so important. And, you know, just allowing your practice to be shared with a wider public was an important step, I think, in helping to create the community that, you know, was ultimately something you would like to be a part of as well.
1: Yeah, thanks for recognizing that yeah, I think it all came together at the right time.
0: So maybe tell me a little bit about uh, culture shop and you had mentioned that you are sort of currently not operating the boutique side of the business, but, um, you know, particularly, you know, how you decided to set up shop, you know, in Mumbai or maybe in the particular neighborhood that you began uh, culture shop in, was this in Bandra?
1: Yeah, it was in Bandra and, um, Andra, I'd like to consider the Brooklyn of Bombay. It's what I like to say, because there's a lot of creative energy happening in that part of our city. It's considered the suburbs of Bombay. It's just um, one bridge away, but we still consider it Mumbai. Yeah, it's a seaside village. There's a lot of really cool cafes. And one of the cafes um, there called the Bagel Shop was the reason why I was, I was saying to my husband, yeah, I feel like this is the only place in um, India where we should be. There'd be a lot of creative people, um, you know, hanging out there. You could hear like sometimes a script writer, like a screenwriter speaking to maybe a musician and you could hear over here all these, you know, interesting um, conversations. And it was something that I felt, and my husband felt that, um, yeah, this is definitely the area. It was already in our mind that we would be in Bombay if we were going to stick around for a while. That's when we decided we would um, do something um, and focus on our own, you know, interests in India. His being, um, he loved design, he loved photography, he loved music. Um, I was just more about street art and, and we... Figured like, hey, why don't we help shape culture? Because something's happening here. Once we started our, we were going to start our company. We called it Culture, but it's Culture with a K. Yeah, so we we started basically because my husband, while um, living in Hyderabad, he saw that I was creating stuff that he felt that other people would actually buy and would actually really get into the type of art that I was doing, but he felt that it was going to be, there was going to be a challenge in how do you get uh, people to notice you? How do you get that public to um, see that you have a website and you have things that you're selling on the website? How are you going to be able to attract all of these people? And he just felt that there must be a lot of other really talented artists out there that are having the same problem where they want to create artwork and sell it, but they also want to take their artwork and also um, print it onto lifestyle products, which is what I was doing. Because I felt that while I create, you know, whatever I'm going to create as paintings and other things and illustrations um, for the wall, um, I also want this other thing going on, which was, you know, uh, creating art like on tote bags and t-shirts and other things um, so people can walk around with my art as well especially if my art was going to be talking about things that I wanted um, other people to be aware of. So I didn't want it just sitting in someone's home only. And so he felt that, yeah, there's probably other artists who want their stuff on products, Um, but the solution would be to create one marketplace, to create one uh, platform where these Indian artists could um, be on this platform, and why only Indian artists? Um, for my husband, he felt it was important for it to just not only sit here, you know, with Indians um, in India, but for us to like show the rest of the world to introduce the rest of the world to like this new emerging, you know. Um, style of art or this new genre of Indian art right we say welcome to the new Indian art wave so um, this marketplace was a very important thing and then it turned out that the stores were um, actually very important to you know getting um, more visibility Amongst international um, art lovers, so we ended up having this hidden store, and even from outside, you couldn't see that we had the store. There was no like um, indication. So it was really word of mouth, and that also helped because we ended up getting a lot of press, international press and um, you know local press and national press, um, because our concept was so different, you know, the word started spreading we ended up becoming a destination
0: uh, for a lot of these travelers. Amazing. I mean, it sounds like you were really, you know, quite intentional about designing this to be something that, you know, also didn't really exist yet. And you're not using the term gallery because it's not that, you know, you've been able to use the term platform and marketplace and store, but it sounds like it's also very much about kind of giving giving form and giving space to a type of art and graphic design and creative expression that just doesn't really fit very nicely into either a cultural category or a sort of a genre of art. So yeah, I just I, I love seeing how the the design thinking in your in your process is is definitely there in terms of you know crafting the business and all of the things that it could be. Uh, I guess maybe a, an important question that I have is you know what was the learning curve with opening a business and with kind of you know pivoting some of your thinking to the very sort of practical aspects of running a business. Um, specifically, did you find artists or did artists find you? And you know how much of you know, the kind of serendipity that seems to be a running theme in your, in your story maybe was part of uh, that aspect of culture shop as well?
1: Uh, well, the other thing I was going to say, which I forgot to say was um, while we were in Hyderabad, we also couldn't find the art that we were looking for that we would typically maybe find, you know, in other cities in America. Um, So that was a challenge. So that was another pain point that my husband recognized, you know, which also made him feel that if we're having that issue. So now we're looking at it from the consumer side. First, he was looking at it from, you know, an artist side. What do they need? And now he was also looking at it from the consumer side. What is it that they need? We made that, you know, finally possible, which was great and something I'm, I'm proud of. And all the artists, they, uh, for every artwork or every product that has their art on it, they, um, you know, they share the profit with us as well. So they continue, you know, getting a passive income, you know, which is a great way, to, uh, because our thing was to create like a ecosystem, you know, for these artists uh, to thrive as well. Going back to your question, uh, what have we learned? Uh, One of the, a a couple of things, (laughs) we had priced our t-shirts way too high uh, for the Indian public. So we brought that down after a while, but when you start something, thing kind of sticks, even though you've made the change. Mm -hmm. So um, I think for a long time, um, people thought our prices for t-shirts were a certain amount. And then when they come to shop and they, they see, like, even though the prices might have been changed, you know, a year ago um, type of thing, they um, would still think that, you know, our prices were a certain, um, you know, price. And, and then they were pleasantly surprised that they weren't. Um, though for the foreign traveler, they felt that our prices were quite low and they would then pick up a lot of, you know, um t-shirts so i think when you're you know when you're serving two different targets right you've got your local and then you've got your international the foreigners um i think that's where you have to find like some middle ground that works as well us being in india it was more important for us to you know have a price point that worked more for our local market the challenging parts were probably uh i don't speak Hindi um that well but it, it's gotten better over the years um, same with one of my other co-founders uh, my husband um speaks it because he grew up here in India knowing the language also really helps but you um can also when you're hiring you want to hire like when we're hiring our you know art department um who is going to help us curate it's always a good thing to hire also people who have um an understanding of the history, you know, of the culture. I didn't grow up here and our other co-founder, he didn't grow up here either. He grew up in Zimbabwe. And um, so there are a lot of things that, you know, we being somewhat foreigners um, in that sense, you know, uh, don't know or haven't known because we didn't grow up with it. So looking at, you know, finding those voices also uh, within your own team is very important and history and knowledge of culture is a, you know, plays a huge part, especially when we're dealing with so many artists where they speak about culture or they have something tied. With our art, we have like Certain, we have like maybe seven points of criteria and one of them is that it should still be globally viable where a foreigner should be able to understand or pick up, you know, most of what's um, happening within the art where there may be some, you know, other things that maybe a local would, um, you know, the smaller details a local would pick up.
0: I mean, I think it's also, you know, important that, you know, you as a sort of, you know, you've had a diasporic family experience and, you know, clearly grew up in a few different places and, you know, were able to Feel at home in a few different places, um, but you know this is something I think that's very prevalent in a lot of sort of urban centers of art and culture in Asia. That you know people who have maybe spent significant amounts of time abroad are contributing to kind of like a new localization, um, and that, that this is sort of necessarily quite cosmopolitan, but then also very local, not just in terms of like the city or the country, but even the neighborhood and the region. And it's all of this kind of convergence of of the global and the local that kind of, you know, define what's happening today.
1: I feel lucky about that though too, you know, because it's like something I get to like, not just learn if I was say here for two weeks as a traveler and I get to learn a few things on more on the surface level but I get to now, like, really live it and understand. And at my fingertips, I have, you know, anyone I could speak to about local issues or cultural, you know, practices. It's really opened my eyes and broadened my horizons as well. So I'm very fortunate.
0: Well, I'd like to um, spend a little bit of time getting to know one of your sort of most sort of iconic projects, I guess, both as an artist and also, you know, as an artist who is part of Culture Shop, Um, and that's The Pink Lady.
1: Yeah, so with The Pink Lady, I created that after the gang rape that took place in Delhi in 2012. It was um, at the end of the year, it was in December and it shocked the nation. It made you know global news that here in India, you know, it's just thousands and thousands of people that you know came out to the street for weeks. It wasn't just a one-day thing and people forgot about it. People wanted change and people wanted justice. It was yeah, it was a it was a brutal rape, gang rape, and then it um, the victim ended up dying about 12 days later, some days later. It just shocked everybody. That Everybody had something to say about it. We had a lot of uh, conservative um, religious leaders and other politicians, conservative politicians, that would sometimes say something, whether they were blaming the victim in situations like this. That really just fueled everybody's fire. It certainly fueled mine. And so when this happened, I was just so consumed by what had happened that I really couldn't concentrate on, you know, culture shop. So I knew that if I'm writing statuses and if I get people writing and saying like um, something, you know, talking about this um, case where I would then feel like, oh, I'm back on Facebook and respond and everything. I just felt that I was going to, it was going to also really um, compromise my progress at work. And so then, and plus, I just, I wasn't really like the strongest, most articulate voice out there also, that what the pink lady eventually did for me and is what maybe I was looking to do was to create something that could speak for me and where I didn't have to really, you know, write statuses and then have to try to perfect them, you know, in my comments, like, while I would be responding to people and everything, and I would get too wrapped up. Basically, Culture Shop had um, a theme, because we were setting up themes for our artists um, to respond to, so that way we could get, you know, new original work from them, because we were going to curate some of their existing work that we felt would pass our curation, would pass our seven points of curation, but we were also looking for new work that we wanted to get them to start creating. So we came up with themes that would like, you know, uh, trigger a lot of new, a lot of new um, type of thinking and everything. So one of the themes was called tradition versus modern, modern versus tradition. And that's how Because of of, uh, this case, it was called Nirbaya, which means uh, fearless, and they didn't want to disclose the victim's name, which is why uh, they gave her the name Nirbaya. The Nirbaya case, of course, was still on my mind, and there was still a lot of fire in my soul about this case, and just about, you know, rape. In general, when that theme came about, then I um, used that theme to create the pink lady. So that's why she's dressed in traditional attire, but she has a modern element to her, which is the knuckle dusters that say boom, which shows that she's got a modern attitude. So traditional versus modern, again, was the theme. And then this pink lady came out of that. I um, also wanted to create art that was suitable for the streets where it would work on the street. So my art needed to be something where somebody could quickly grasp the concept and not have to like get out of their car because a lot of, you know, times street art is seen um, when you're driving by and you should be able to just, you know, kind of get the concept if there is a concept behind the art or for somebody walking by, they should be able to grasp it. Quick enough, and because it was on the street, it started getting um, a lot of people started taking pictures. But as you know, Karen, because you also discovered it on the street, you came across it. Um, it didn't have my name on it, and I didn't feel like it should have my name on, on it. Um, and eventually, and it was maybe a good little case study of like how long does it take, you know, for um, people to find out who the artist is behind <laughs> a piece that keeps popping up in different places but there's no name attached to it.
0: Yeah, interesting. I mean, I think it's also interesting that it has this title of don't mess with me, that's not visible you know, to people that are just seeing it on the street. So it kind of speaks in a few different ways, right? So there's like you know, the sort of immediate level. And then for those who are sort of interested in, in finding out more, they kind of can see these other layers, not just your identity, but kind of, you know, a little bit more of your intent.
1: Absolutely. In fact, there was a time where I was doing um, uh, some public art at a bar. I was invited to because they were having these Thursday art nights. So it was like an art music night. And so I was the artist um, for that particular Thursday, where I was um, painting an original work. And then I had some of my other work framed work uh, displayed as well. So I could hear people talking as I was painting. And then one uh, girl had said, because there was no uh, descriptions, it just had, uh, you know, uh, I don't even think it had anything on there. It's just people knew it was my art because I was the featured artist. One girl was saying to another guy, she was saying, oh, it's kind of like she's saying, don't mess with me. And <laughs> I had to turn around and say, that's so funny you say that because that's exactly the name of the title of the artwork. Yeah, it, it has that attitude, I think, that comes, you know, through about like, yeah, you better not mess with me because uh, I'm not someone to be messed with.
0: Thank you so much, Jack. you It's been really, really wonderful just to hear, you know, so many different things about your story, not just as a creative professional, but kind of yeah. as someone who's been at this interesting place um, in an interesting time and is able to mm-hmm. use that for creative expression. Yes. Thank you. Thanks so much. CADCAST is an initiative by the Center for Asian Art and Design, CAD, an interdisciplinary research center of the School of Art, Design, and Media at NTU in Singapore. CAD explores inter-, trans-, and post-disciplinary issues in art, design, and media connected to Asian history and culture. The center addresses a broad geography, including the Middle East, Central Asia, South Asia, Southeast Asia, and East Asia, as well as the global diaspora. Research and educational programming connects to the humanities, social sciences, fine arts, performing arts, and design, including the built environment, connecting research and practice in these areas. We hope you enjoyed the inaugural CADCAST episode, A Conversation with Jazz Charanjeeba in Mumbai, India. Please subscribe and watch for upcoming episodes featuring other creative practitioners based in and working in Asia.